want the Big Ten Championship, and we're going to win it as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. When the old season is over, you and I know it's going to be Michigan again. Michigan. Okay, everybody. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Run Past Michigan. Our RPM podcast here on The Athletic. I'm, of course, Nick Baumgartner along with Austin Meek. And, Austin, we have we have been through um, unprecedented times for the last several months. And this past weekend, Monday, Tuesday, in terms of this crazy, weird, ridiculous sport that we cover called college football, uh, probably takes the cake. I don't think I've ever seen anything like this. But uh, how are we doing, first of all, uh, before we get into all this? You know, it's I, as we're taping this, it's 10 a.m. on Wednesday. Uh, we've had basically uh, a night to process yeah. everything that happened on Tuesday. And I, I don't think it's really sunk in yet. I mean, I still feel like I'm kind of at a loss for words. And we, we knew that this was a possibility, mm-hmm. a strong possibility. Maybe the likely outcome was that the football season was going to be canceled, but still... To, to see it happen, to wake up this morning realizing that there's going to be no Big Ten football this fall, uh, it's just a weird feeling. Yeah. It's it's hard to hard to describe, hard to put into words. You know, I've been doing this for, you know, it's basically the only job I've ever had is yeah. co- covering college football, the only full-time job. Right. Uh, so to think about that not happening and then to imagine what it's like for the, you know, the people who really have, have put their lives into it, uh, you know, the, the players and the coaches, uh, man, it's just, it's, it's a weird, surreal feeling. Yeah, it really was. I mean, it was something that we've all um, sort of been bracing for, I think, you know, if you're being honest with yourself uh, for the last however many weeks, months and everything else, even as they... And we'll get into all this the as they made everybody go through all the processes and what have you. But even yesterday, after you know <clears throat> talking to folks and everything, and then finally sitting down to write, uh, I got to the sentence where I basically had to write. You know, there will be no football uh, in Michigan Stadium this fall, and I was like, "This is like real." And just writing it, even just like the you know putting the words down and finally writing it for whatever reason, you know, sort of struck me. Um, that like, okay, wow, you know, that's officially now we are now wiping out the entire uh, year. And for the first time since, what, 18-something? They've been playing football in Michigan. Yeah, 1882 was the last 18, time that they had a yeah season yeah. with no football games. 1882, this country in college football has made it through <laughs> wars, uh, other pandemics, mm-hmm. everything else. And, um, you know, this one... For a multitude of reasons beyond the control of the players and athletes and everybody that were in there uh, is not going to happen. And yeah, w- putting it down on on the screen there was just even that point was uh, was a lot to process. And yesterday was that you know that whole processing thing. I think has been something that has been lost on folks in terms of the impact that it's had on players, um, what they've been asked to go through, and what they've been put through. And, you know, at, at Michigan, you know, what they've complied with as best they can. I mean, everybody up there has been, you know, effusive with praise of and it just got sort of blown away at the dedication the kids showed and everything else. And, you know, uh, so, yeah, your, your heart breaks for them. I mean, it was just a crushing day overall. I don't know how else to how else to put it. Look, it's going to be debated whether the Big Ten made the right decision. Yep. They were the first. Power Five Conference to call off the fall season. The Pac-12 followed suit. Um, 
And you know, there are people who are going to say the Big Ten uh, should have waited. They they did this too soon. There are people who are going to applaud the Big Ten for uh, for getting yep. out in front of this and making a proactive decision. And I think that those things will you know history will judge whether this was the right call or not. But I think that the one thing that we all should understand is nobody is happy about this. Mm-hmm. You know, I have, I've seen it. We've all seen it. The people who somehow got the idea that those of us who cover the sport for a living and have our livelihoods invested in it, uh, were in some way, you know, hoping for this outcome or rooting for this outcome, which is the most ridiculous thing that, that yeah. I've ever heard. Um, and we also saw you know, the the people who were outspoken asking for uniform safety protocols like the Hinton family, yeah. Hunter Reynolds at Michigan. You know, there are people who will say, you know, well, these people somehow got what they wanted. This isn't what anybody wanted. Nobody right. who's involved with with college football wanted to see an entire season taken off the schedule. Uh, it's it's sad for everybody. You know, I talked to Chris Hinton, uh, the father of mm-hmm. Christopher Hinton at Michigan. Uh, you know, I talked to him as all this was coming down. Uh, and he was one of the people who was outspoken in saying the NCAA and the conferences need to get together and come up with a plan so that we can do this safely. And maybe that got interpreted in some corners as saying that we shouldn't play. But that was never... That was never anybody's intent or anybody's position. It was always, we want to play, but we want to do it safely. And part of the reason we're here right now is because the things that we needed to do as a country in order to have a college football season and have it be a safe season didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, and that's where, it, you know, that's where it has to start. It starts with, A, a, a virus that... Nobody completely understands that has disrupted every aspect of our lives that was beyond the control of anybody in sports way, way bigger than anything mm-hmm. to do with college football. So that, that's where you got to start. And then you take the next step and say, you know, did we as a society do the things that, that we needed to do to get this under control by now? No, we didn't. And take it another step. Did the leaders of college football do what needed to happen to have a plan in place to be able to do this? No. So there, you know, there's a lot of different levels to it. A, a lot of things that you can look back on and second guess, but ultimately we ended up in a place where nobody wanted to be. Right. And it, and it, uh, you know, with college football, you know, and the saddest part of it is, is it felt inevitable on, on, on many days <laughs> throughout this process, because as we know, um, College football does not have a centralized governing leadership. It just doesn't. I mean, what happens is, and we've talked about it on here, um, you know, Brennan and I have talked about it on the other show and everything else, that what happens is, is all this stuff starts down at the ground level. It trickles up through the players and the coaches and the athletic director to the presidents, and then it goes into thin air and fizzles. Like, there is nothing at the top. Uh, that holds everything in place, and there's nothing at the top that guides anything or gives anyone uniform structure or anything else. It's always everyone for themselves. 
Um, and so there was, if you were being honest with yourself, in March, uh, knowing what we know about college football, it was ominous then that if we were not going to be able to get this as a society under control, college football is not structured in a way that it was going to be able to get through this. Because at the end of the day, as we've seen with the NBA and the NHL, as they continue to go forward, um, you know, with their playoff seasons here in, in the bubbles that appear to be working, um, that was never a viable option in college because, and again, we always talk about this, right? Like if you took somebody from a different planet and brought them here or like, you know, somebody from Europe that doesn't know anything about college football and tried to explain it to them, they'd be like, what in the hell is this sport? They're not paid. You can't, you know, so you can't ask them to do certain things that a professional athlete gets asked to do. And we knew, Austin, the Big Ten was certainly not going to do that. Uh, Certainly not overnight in the 11th hour. And so that's the answer. I mean, it was, we can start all the way through last week. I mean, the, the, the frustration level that comes in from, you know, the player standpoint and the coach's standpoint, I mean, I get it. Like, that, I, I understand the Big Ten's reasoning, of course, but I also get the frustration level from the folks on the ground because they felt like they were, op- because they were, they were operating without a net. There was no plan. Uh, they were told to come up with a plan. They tried to do everything they could to come up with a plan. And this is across the board in the Big Ten. And they tried their best. Everybody did. And they were told, you know, keep keep trying your best, I guess. And then we'll see what happens. And with an inevitable wall at the end that it just wasn't going to work. And that's the thing for me is, you know, we can talk about Jim Harbaugh's comments and everything else. But, the stu- I mean, the stuff I take away from that is that Michigan was heartbroken uh, for the kids because they were at, they were put into a dan- – they were brought back to campus. They were put in a dangerous situation and they were asked to make it work. And they tried – and worked their asses off to make it work, knowing full well that this was probably going to happen. And then they had to sit there with all these mixed messages and misinformation and everything else with no answers. And it's just brutal. But that's college football. And that is the problem that we've been talking about forever that they refuse to fix. It's just a mess. And like until hopefully, maybe at some point, they'll decide, you know, during this whole situation, let's let's relook at this thing, really, truly pull it, pull it apart and take a look because there's so many problems that you can't even begin. You don't even know where to start most of the time. One of the many, many problems with college football is it is essentially a semi-professional sports league, and yet the people who have the final say in what happens are university presidents who have a million other things that they're thinking about over the course of the day. And you you look at the entire university budget for Michigan, I mean, everybody talks about how much money there's wrapped up in college football, which is true. There's gobs of money in it. But if you look at the university-wide budget at Michigan, football is just one part of that. It's and not, Mark yeah. Schlissel <laughs> at Michigan, he's got a lot of things to think about right one now. One or two, I would say. Yes, he does. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, so that's part of the problem is the people who, who you know, run the day-to-day operation of this sport, you know, they are immersed in it every minute of the day. Yeah. But yet the people who make the decisions are often very separated from the day-to-day operation of the sport, which is a a weird dynamic. And I think that that is part of what we saw here is we had been going along uh, with, with a timeline and a process. The Big Ten put out its schedule, you know, just last week, we were taping a podcast talking mm-hmm. about a schedule. Right, yeah. And we acknowledged at the time, <laughs> all of this could become moot very quickly. Yeah. 
and they could pull the plug on all of this. We, we understood that that was a possibility. But I think I was still in the camp of believing that if they did that, they would start by delaying the yes. beginning of the season, pushing it back until late September or early October because their schedule was designed to do that. Uh, and if you watched Kevin Warren on the Big Ten Network uh, yesterday, I, you know I thought that they they asked him the right questions about. Yeah, props to you. Dave set Rebson this up to be able to do this, and then a few days later, you just scrapped the whole thing. Why? I think part of the answer to that is because the people who had the power to pull the plug were not the people who had been engaged with it at the really granular level of the people who exclusively live in the college football world. Right. I mean, the left hand wasn't talking to the right hand. I mean, that's just Mm -hmm. what, you know, that's, that's the situation most of the time in in college athletics at a high level like this, especially with college football. And you're right. I mean, the schedule thing is when I talk to people and you talk to people and especially those last couple of days, um, you know, at Michigan within college athletics, whatever um, the, you know, everyone has their own way of looking at things, I suppose. But the, the one thing most folks couldn't get over from a Big Ten standpoint is why why the hell did you release a schedule last Wednesday with a September 5th start date, which is insane, only to, I mean, to know that in two or three days you were going to, I mean, and obviously they didn't know they were going to panic in two or three days, but I mean, that it was probable that you were going to mm-hmm. pull everything back as soon as possible the minute that anything came back up that scared you, which, I mean, obviously that's going to happen anyway. I mean, the whole thing was so ceremonial and ridiculous, and it just did nothing but amplify hopes uh, that were false. I mean, it was just – and it, I thought that was just – I mean, a lot of it I can I can stomach through, but that part of it to me was the one where I couldn't get over. What were you doing releasing the schedule, giving the impression that you were going to try to play football on September 5th, having an hour on BTN, going through the whole song and dance – and everything else, and while you continue to have these kids and staffers try to open fall camps for crying out loud, only to get to Saturday, and you know Scott Frost sounded like a crazy person on his thing the other day, but I mean he did bring up a point about you know they got eight periods deep into practice on Saturday before somebody had to walk out there and tell them the Big Ten without warning has you know told them they can't go forward with. I mean that's the stuff that that frustrated them all, and it's and it's all very real, and it's but it's also. Understandable. I mean, the whole situation is understandable. There's no, you know, I mean, I suppose, like we said earlier, history will decide. But I mean, it's very possible that within a month, people are looking back and being like, well, the Big Ten and the MAC, um, you know, got out of this maybe a little too late, but they did get out of this. At least it's mm-hmm. not, you know, I mean, I don't, I hope that doesn't happen. I hope that, you know, there's a path or this gets, this gets better or whatever. But, you know, it's possible that time will sort of show folks who aren't so sure right now that, you know, this was the only decision that probably could be made. There's too much risk involved in everything else. But the question at the very beginning of this is then why did you ask them to go through all this? And that's the thing where I just can't square. And, you know, the, the, the system's just screwed up and uh, there's really no other way to uh, to get around that part. Yeah. One thing that I, I do fault the Big Ten on this, you know, we've all heard throughout this whole pandemic about the importance of listening to the experts And, you know, I I think that you and I and I think any rational person looking at it would say, yes, absolutely. The people who should be driving this decision, it's not Jim Harbaugh and Ryan Day. It's not Kevin Warren, the commissioner. It's the medical people who really are 
immersed in in the data uh, and, and understand, you know, to the extent that, that we understand anything about this virus, the people who understand it the best mm-hmm. should be the people making the decisions. But also, the, you know, those should be the people communicating to oh, the yeah. public about what they know. And you know, I, I was a little disappointed yesterday. You know, again, we listened to the commissioner on the Big Ten Network, mm-hmm. and there were some pretty specific questions about, well, what is the information that you were getting that prompted you to make this decision? And the answer was, well, there was too much uncertainty, mm-hmm. which is such a vague answer. And it would have been a lot more effective, I think, to have throughout this whole process, have those medical people front and center. You know, have them doing Zoom calls, have them communicating with the public uh, and not just, you know, kind of parroting what the conference wants to get out there about, you know, we're doing everything we can and putting safety first. Well, of course you are. But tell us this information that you are using to make these decisions. And that was one thing that I'll give the PAC-12 credit. They put out their whole report yesterday. Um, They had one of their doctors take questions. Um, and I think that that gave some really valuable context for why they made this decision. And look, sports leagues have a powerful position to communicate to the rest of the public yeah. and to you know, send messages to the public about how the rest of us should be making decisions. We're going to have high school football happening in this country when Already we do. said that colleges with access to the best testing and medical advice possible cannot do this, uh, but yet high schools are going to play. Mm. That's part of the reason why they need to you know, use their platforms as these great research institutions and communicate a little more to the public about what you know and why you're making this decision rather than just sort of giving us this generic answer about, well, there's too much uncertainty. I I wasn't satisfied with that answer. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I mean, you know, we just said earlier that college football at Michigan's been played since, what, the 1880s or whatever you want to call it. And I think, and I don't know what times were like back then, but I'm sure you had somebody in power carrying on about the concept of transparency that had no idea what the concept of transparency actually means. (laughs) And that's, that is college athletics I mean, it is the number one problem in so many areas. They are never transparent with anything. They default to hiding behind, you know, well, like a a power broker in this league says this, but won't put their name. And it's like, guys, like you're just pushing papers around into noise and just politicking. And it's all a bunch of nonsense. And then the disappointing part, you know, through the week was, you know, you saw the passion from players and coaches that were, you know, and coaches that were trying to fight for their, their guys and some were politicking and some were, you know, heartbroken for their kids and everything else. And then, you know, that message gets stolen by another group with another ridiculous agenda. And then everything gets just blown to hell. And it's one of those things that we often deal with in college football where things get off the rails and you can never put them back on the rails because nobody ever wants to be, you know, transparent about anything. And that's, and then, and then, and that was disappointing obviously to see uh, as well through this whole process. But, you know, let's just kind of walk back through the whole thing. So, Okay, everybody, before we get back to the show, let's take a minute to hear about Indochino. Uh, Sunday, you know, over the weekend, of course, Austin, you know, the Big Ten with, you know, I believe Nicole Auerbeck reported this yesterday, the 10 
10 athletes that you could become aware of with um, what the heart condition. Um, yeah. The, the player from Indiana, the offensive lineman from Indiana, the, the note from his uh, mother, I believe it was, uh, about how brutal COVID was was hurting him. Uh, that coupled with all of the factors at play, you know, when students are back and everything else. By Sunday, you know, the league, the league president's temperature check anyway, for based on what I was told, um, was moving toward the direction, as it had been, to cancel the season. Uh, and what I was told through Sunday and Monday was that the plan originally was yeah, I mean, everyone wrote this, right? It was it was to see if they could get other leagues to join them, and then they were, you know, foolish enough to think that that was going to hold into a hold into a vacuum or something for three days. Because originally the thought was, well, you know, by Tuesday or Wednesday they'll they'll deliver their final. You know, we're canceling fall season. We're pushing and going to try this spring thing, but we we would hope that everybody else would join us. And then, of course, by Monday. You know, it turns into a complete mess of, well, the league's already canceled the season. Well, no, that's not true, right? <laughs> I mean, look, the league had not canceled the season. That escalates everything. The league was going to cancel the season, was planning to cancel the season. It hadn't actually done it. That escalates everything, cranks everything up to another level. Emotions get charged. Uh, we saw what we saw from Jim Harbaugh. Uh, you wrote about that on Monday. We touched about it again uh, here Tuesday this morning. Uh, you know, his thoughts on... You know, their testing numbers and everything else, but also his thoughts on, you know, being super proud of his, his team for doing everything they can in a, you know, impossible situation and and everything else. And it just sat there for two days as back and forth it went. You know, are they going to walk off the ledge? Are they going to walk back off the diving board or, you know, whatever it's going to be? I mean, it was just a mess on every level uh, at every spot. And but the the end result was always going to be the same. I mean, if you if you wrote last, it's the same thing we do this in the media. I mean, if you wrote this last Thursday, the Big Ten was going to cancel the season. You'd have been right, right? Like I mean, mm-hmm. it was just like that was how it was going to go, one way or the other. And um, you know, all I could think at the end of the day yesterday was what a terrible, what a terrible, terrible day, and what a terrible, terrible several days and eight weeks really that it's been for those kids uh, who had to go through all that and had to. Uh, you know, that were given false hope into something that they care so much about. And, you know, a year of their training for a dream and everything else is, uh, you know, been taken away. I mean, the spring stuff, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like that's, uh, you know, I guess, you know, folks can give it a chance, but I mean, you know, asking players to play two football seasons, even if they're shortened in, you know, a couple months apart like that, I don't know how that works. Uh, there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of things that need to be unraveled here that haven't been, and um, it's uh, it's been a difficult deal. But I mean, it's it was a whirlwind. I've never seen anything like that in college football. That was that was uh, that was realignment like, but you know, probably even more so, uh, more insane than the realignment days back in whatever year that was. I don't, I can't remember now. 10, 15 years ago, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. I just don't see the spring thing happening. Uh, you know, we've got James Franklin talking about let's play, uh, you know, let's play in the domes, which, you know, that's great. But again, you know, college football can't do the bubble thing. They just can't. Right. Um, the draft is an issue. Uh, you mentioned the calendar of having players basically play two seasons uh, in a calendar year. I, you know, I just I don't I don't see that happening, partly because. There's been no planning around it. If you, if you thought that that was a serious possibility, I mean, we have known since day one that there was a strong possibility that we would not be playing in the fall. Right. And yet 
every time you talk to anybody, the answer always was, we are building our planning around the fall. We are, right. we are not thinking about spring right now. And I don't know how you go from that to now in the span of a few months, putting together a spring season when there's no, no promise at all that things are going to get better by then. Right. I mean, we may be sitting here in December or January and things may be looking as bad or, or worse than they are now. So, you know, again, it's just yeah. a, just a, a, you know, a, a failure to have the foresight, I think, to anticipate something that we all knew at some level what was coming. Right. Uh, and, you know, even down to the, just the details of eligibility and what do you do with recruiting and what do you do with players for the rest of the semester? You know, those are questions that really they should have had some answers prepared for because this is not like it just came out of the blue uh, and nobody saw it coming. Like we've had time to be ready to answer those questions. Yeah. And I'll say this, if we're sitting here on August 10th, 12th, whatever, if the world still exists, August 12th to 2021. <laughs> if we're sitting here on August 12th, 2021, if the world still exists and we haven't had like high, high level intense discussions about how to make, how to make not only NIL a thing, uh, but also how to make it to where these kids are getting money, uh, then I don't know what in the hell anyone is doing in college football. Because at, at this point, that's the thing we heard from, we, we heard over the last several months from people who are smart why not put them in a bubble? You can't put them in a bubble if you're not paying them. They're not pro, they're not professional athletes. Like at the end of the day, you can lie to yourself all day long about that sort of thing and walk around it and tiptoe around it and act like it. Well, there's a lot of other problems that would come with that that we just don't want to get into. Well, bullshit. That is ridiculous. <laughs> at the at some point before this thing is all said and done, these kids have got to get paid. You can't keep going like this. People are uncomfortable with this situation as it is because it's not, that was the whole thing for the Big Ten at the, at the crux of it. They were not going to get over the ethical the ethical hurdle of asking students, students who aren't paid to go into a bubble and live alone without you know contact with anyone for four months. They were not going to do that because it's ridiculous. And when you peel back even further, why is it ridiculous? I mean, the whole system is ridiculous at this point. You're making, we're talking about nine-figure losses in an athletic department, right, at Michigan, or or all these Big Ten schools, really. I mean, it was $60 million, something like that, for Michigan in the fall, uh, or already, and I think Ward Manuel had estimated over, what, 120 was the possibility. Mm-hmm. And, and these players are still getting nothing. <laughs> They're getting none of that. We have BTN, nothing. They had to ask to get to get uh, subscriptions from BTN in the, uh, in the Big Ten United with the players when they were like, hey, are you guys going to ask us anything about uh, going back out there and having to play so we can get money going again in this business that we are, we, you know, we operate, but see nothing back in return from other than, you know, a scholarship, which I'm not going to sit here and say a scholarship's worthless, but let's not, let's be clear. I mean, you know, there's more money involved here and you can't, you can't look at these things the same way that we look at the NFL. We When, when we were talking with people from the NFL PA and everything during the whole summer months and everything and their concerns were being voiced. Um, They were all valid concerns. They were all legitimate, but you know, I mean, at no point really was the conversation like, well, you know, we're just not going to do this. It was, we have a job. We are paid to do this job. We want to make this work by any means possible, but you know, we have some things we need to work out, but at the end of the day, we're getting paid. So if they're going to play on Monday, I'm going to be there, right? Like, cause I'm getting paid. That's not the case here. 
Like, that's not the case at all. And when we saw people, you know, from different schools saying, you know, I'm scared. I don't know about this. I don't, you know, I mean, and to ask them to go through all that. I mean, my God. I mean, the whole situation is broken. And I just, you know, hopefully at some point, you know, folks can come together and start to understand or figure out ways to get out of this. Uh, and I don't know what that looks like. I really don't. That's the hardest thing, Austin, I think, is that I don't know what that ends up looking like one way or the other. But I, I would... It, it, something's got to change because, you know, we got Scott Frost over here talking about, you know, when you close a business, it's harder to get, you know, it's not a business. I mean, it shouldn't be looked at as a business. You're not paying the kids that work there. Like they are employees in in, a, in every sense and they're not being paid. I don't know how to, how to walk around it anymore. At least they're not being paid on the books. How about that? I mean, you know, mm-hmm. there's other people being paid underneath, but that, that to me is the thing that if we get through this in a year and, and we're still not and we're still tiptoeing around that, then the whole thing is just what are we even doing? I mean, it's what are we doing? And I think that's kind of the theme from a lot of folks in college football is what are we doing here? Like, you know, you talked to a coach last night and it was like, or I did last night and it was like, I, I don't know what to do now. You know, I don't know what to do next. I don't know what to tell the kids next. I haven't known what to tell them next for weeks. And it's just all this. It's it's really really difficult. And um, you know, people's lives are impacted by this everybody's lives are impacted by it but when we're talking about a specific sport in college football there are serious problems uh that have gone unaddressed for many 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 years as leagues have cranked up billion dollar operations and built waterfalls and fountains and studios and everything else and you know at the end of the day what are we talking about and that's sort of where i land on it yeah every you know every inch of progress that has been made in this sport has been made with the people who lead it just digging in their heels kicking and screaming i mean the ncaa all that all that money the conferences and all the money that is being spent to lobby you know for uh uh for a better nil bill or whatever yeah uh that money right now could be you know spent on your athletic departments who are you're going to be decimated by losing football. I mean, that's just, that's where, you know, they get so caught up uh, in just trying to preserve a system that from the outside, you look at it and say it's dysfunctional, it's broken, it doesn't make sense. The best thing that they could do right now is just let it go. Just say, okay, you know, this amateurism thing that, you know, other sports, other leagues gave up on a long time True. ago. Yeah. Look at the Olympics. You used to have to be an amateur to compete in the Olympics. And then at some point, somebody was like, that's stupid. <laughs> Just let, the, right. let them make money. Yeah. It doesn't matter. The Olympics are still the Olympics. Even with these athletes getting paid, it doesn't change you know, the essence of, of the event. Right. That's, I feel like that's where we are now with college sports is – People just need to accept you can still have college football without amateurism. It's not like these two things are just joined at the hip. And if you take away amateurism, the whole thing falls apart. It doesn't. Yeah. But you have to have leaders who are willing to you know, take the leap and say, okay, we're going to figure out a way to do this without amateurism. That's what has to happen right now. Yeah, the hardest part is that it's got to be player-led, and, you know, these are fleeting moments in these guys' lives, and, you know, you, you commend somebody like Hunter Reynolds um, at Michigan, who, you know, has been outspoken. Ben St. Just used to play at Michigan, who's at Minnesota, been outspoken. Trevor Lawrence, you know, uh, they're all trying. You know, they were all trying to make something work, but, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, those are the people that are going to have to push back on it, um, and it's difficult 
you know, to see all that as we, as we, I think we had a story on the athletic the other day about the, the the challenges that would come with the unionization of college athletics within the current, uh, you know, governance structure. It's just not really a possibility. However, you know, if NIL were a thing and, you know, what have you, you know, there are bargaining opportunities for them and, and things of that nature. I just, you know, that's what it all came back to for me the whole time was it was money. It was, it's just all, <laughs> it just ends and stops and starts and stops about money. I mean, it, you know, they, this is, this is a organization that just turns a blind eye to all of it constantly and um, continues to operate with its head completely buried into a comic depth of sand that I, you know, just gets deeper and deeper on a daily basis where you're just like, what is happening? And, and the other, the saddest part here is it's not over here. We got like, people were asking me yesterday, like, what do I think about basketball? I'm like, basketball's in the same exact situation. Like, it's not going to, any talk of a bubble with the NCAA tournament, guys, are the kids going to get uh, TNT revenue for that bubble that they're going into to play the NCAA <laughs> tournament? If they're not, you can't do it. Like, I don't know how that gets solved one way or the other, but you know, sticking with Michigan in this situation, of course, um, the questions that now sort of need to be answered. Number one, yesterday was mostly about um, helping them sort of cope with it, um, helping them get through it. It was a really difficult thing. Uh, the last eight weeks were, were difficult for them. Uh, they practiced. They continued their voluntary workouts. That You know, that'll continue, I suppose, indefinitely until they're told they can't. Um, you know, if you know, campus were to close or something, or the facilities had to be shut down again, obviously that would change. Um, but, you know, there are questions about recruiting with the signing date coming up. There are questions about, you know, returning eligibility, uh, everything else. None of it has been answered. And really what is driving these guys nuts is none of it's been discussed. And I can understand that as well, because there's a billion things, you know, <laughs> that, that go on before that, including canceling the season that were being discussed prior to. So there's just, you know, the NFL draft, you know, I mean, you took think about Nico Collins, uh, the guy really for, for Michigan, Quiddy Pay is the guy that keeps popping into my head is I think a guy who was on the fringe probably came back. If Quiddy Pay had put together a really good season, he's getting drafted. You know, now, I mean, it's still possible, but like, what do you do? What do you tell him? I, you know, what do you tell a kid like that? He's not going to have football this fall. Game tape is the is the is is, the, is why you get drafted. I mean your measurements and your measurables and everything else. You're testing. He can continue to do that and work and and he will, I'm sure. But you know he's he's going to lose a year of tape and everything else, and it's just going to make it more difficult. And he was right there, and a kid like it's gone now. And then you look at the reverse side of it, a kid coming into college or a kid who's in high school right now, who's on the fringe of earning a scholarship anywhere, and he hasn't. He doesn't get to do that now, and everything about his life changes. I mean, it's just there's so many factors that go on here that, you know, it's the unfortunate sort of side effect of what we talked about earlier, Austin, the fact that we just couldn't get this thing under control, but it's also one where you feel for all these guys because they just weren't given any direction or guidance because the system that they have, they're forced to operate in is flawed and uh, it's tough. It's tough to square. Yeah. One of the, one of the reasons the spring season to me does not seem viable is you mentioned those guys, Quiddy pay Nico mm. Collins, um, I just I can't see uh, the best draft prospects, or even you know not even just like top ten picks, but anybody yeah. who is thinking that they're going to get drafted in the spring. I don't think that the it just doesn't make sense to try to play a college football season uh, in in the midst of that. Right. You know, 
and then what you're going to go to you finish your college football season and then go straight to rookie mini camp like it just it, <laughs> it's not going to work uh and i i don't see how you can you know cobble together uh enough of a you know a coherent team to play a football season in the spring and so that does raise you know, i mean the eligibility thing is a huge piece that's going to have to be figured oh out yeah. because the seniors on this team who aren't going to get a season, some of them aren't going to play. A lot of them aren't going to play in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So you, you don't want to just tell those guys, hey, sorry, your career is over. Right. Go find a job. <laughs> you know? um, but at the same time, you've got a next class coming in of freshmen who in a typical year would be getting on campus in the winter or in the summer. Uh, what do you do with all of those players? Do you raise the scholarship limit from 85 so that your seniors and your incoming freshmen can still be on the roster. Uh, Do, you know, do universities say that we're going to give our athletic departments a break on paying the full freight of those scholarships? Because I guarantee you Ward Manuel sitting there right now is not thinking, Oh, here's some extra money that we can shift over to the university side for a few extra scholarships. Like they're, they're not in position to do that. So, so many questions that have to be sorted out now that for some reason were not really uh, addressed before we got to this point. Yeah. That's the sense. It just, the whole thing was just a, a like the charade or something, you know, it was just like, what, what, why are you going through all? And that's the other thing. I mean, the other piece there, I guess would be, you know, the fear and not a guess it is. I mean, it's the fear of coaches that their rosters are going to get poached. Um, You know, as the SEC and the ACC and the big 12 continue to do whatever it is they're doing uh, as they go forward here with their plans to play. Um, There's, there's fear of that. And, you know, obviously, you know, what, what do you do if you're the, in charge of the, I mean, do you, do you tell these kids they can't leave? I mean, obviously you can't do that. If football's being played and somebody like Quiddy pay, has to do what he has to do. I mean, how do you fault him? I don't know. I mean, like it's it's a difficult situation, but that's something that uh, is certainly a factor that needs to be addressed as well. Um, and it just uh, it was just a, a really rough uh, couple of days there at the end of a rough couple of several weeks and at the end of a rough several months. Um, and you know, a lot of the divisiveness within the Big Ten was something that a lot of folks talked about. And Monday was a really rough day for the Big Ten. That was really really bad. That was. Uh, I've been covering the league for 10 years, somewhere in there. Um, others have done it a lot longer and, and a lot better than I have. But, you know, for that 10 years, I've never seen anything like that. That was the the level of um, confusion and disjointed. I mean, this is also, I mean, the thing about the Big Ten, and we all know this, is it's forever. It has been, you know, like a unanimous league. I mean, one votes for all. I mean, they share revenue. I mean, it's the whole thing. I mean... And it was so disjointed, and so and, and the and the leadership structure did such a poor job of getting a complete consensus on where everyone was through the weekend, and it just turned into chaos, and it turned into you know again I can't get over it. I mean Nebraska what what are they talking about I mean you have Scott Frost goes on a pre- I guess it was his own press he didn't go on TV he goes on a press conference on Monday. And starts talking about leaving the Big Ten <laughs> to play this season to make money. And I'm just sitting there like, you are making, you're, the only way you're going to make money this year is from TV rights. And if you leave the Big Ten there, big dog, you're not making a dime from TV rights. <laughs> what are you talking about? And so yeah. like, 
And that's just another product. Of, I mean, there's, there's, there's separate conversations, but it's also a product of everything just being so disjointed. And it's just, yeah. they, I mean, and Kevin Warren, just like everybody else, was in a horrible situation, an impossible spot. But, you know, you, know, you heard from a lot of people that wondered over the week, you know, in the early parts of the week, you know, would, some, would, would this public, you know, sort of uh, distress be happening if Jim Delaney were here? Well, maybe, because I think some folks had gotten a little tired of uh, his song and dance as well. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. They got through it, I guess. And, and now we'll see what the fallout is and how that all impacts everything. But, um, yeah, hopes of a spring schedule, obviously that hasn't been promised. They made it clear once again yesterday or what have you. And I would also say, Austin, uh, credit to uh, Dave Revson at the Big Ten Network. Uh, yeah. We all saw his interview and, you know, I – I'm usually first in line to rail on the concept of state-run media and everything else. But Dave Revson did a hell of a job and is a journalist and a reporter and asked Kevin Warren questions that Kevin Warren did not feel comfortable being asked, but were necessary questions that everybody who watches Big Ten football, cares about Big Ten football, plays in Big Ten football, whatever, needed to hear answered. And, you know, I would say hat tip to Dave Revson for for doing a hell of a job on that one. I mean, basically you're looking, you know, I mean, that's, he's talking to the guy that pays his, you know, more or less, right. His boss, I guess. And he's, and he's having to grill him and that was difficult, but that's the situation we're in weird times, right? It's just uh, all over the place and really unprecedented. Yeah. And I'll say would have been nice to hear from Mark Schlissel yesterday. Sure would have. Uh, on some level. But again, I can understand, like we said earlier, I mean, he's also a guy who I, he's probably dealing with pandemic things at a medical level that we, I mean, yeah. with his background. Mm -hmm. I understand it, but, you know, it's it's tough. I mean, you know, the, the statement route that everyone sort of goes down and um, I don't know. I mean, people go back and forth on Jim Harbaugh's comments, everything else. What I took away from it, I've known Jim Harbaugh now, I think, long enough to know that whatever else you want to say about whatever else his thoughts were on the situation, his end of day um, message, I promise you this, I know this because it's I, I know it, um, was to have his thoughts with his team. And yesterday when he released a statement and it started out, you know, it was not, it did not start out, you know, I, I accept this or I agree with this or I'm, I feel for the Big Ten. No, it was all about his guys and uh, that includes his staffers and players. And that's uh, legitimate. I mean, you could say whatever you want about him. Um, but like I said, I mean, I, I've been around him long enough to know now. I have a pretty good read on what, what he is about and where his head stays in situations like this. And it, it's all with his guys. And um, it remained that way. And I think that was that was good to see as well, as we saw a lot of folks on Tuesday, Monday coming out with political, you know, back and forths. Um, you would you would have gotten a letter from Jim Harbaugh on the state of football, uh, regardless of the misinformation and everything flying around Monday. That was coming one way or the other. Uh, everything else beyond that felt a little reactionary to me. But, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, that's that's fine, too, I guess, on some level. But you know, whatever. Everybody was in a tough spot. And uh, hopefully, it, you know, hopefully there are better days ahead. So, we'll yeah, see. I mean, if you're a football coach and you're preaching, you know, we're all in this together, we're a team, we're 100 percent committed to this, everybody's pulling the rope, you know, all those things that coaches say. Yeah. I mean, you can't just, when something like this hits, just kind of throw your hands up and say, well, okay, you know, this right. is what they decided. Uh, you know, this is what the experts say. We're done. I mean, I I understand the emotional reaction yes. from Jim Harbaugh, from Scott Frost, you know, from Ryan Day. 
some of that stuff maybe got a little bit over yeah. the top and some of it may have been aimed at recruits, players on your team and mm-hmm. your fan base to send the message that I'm the one, you know, standing up and fighting for this when you know what's going to happen. Uh, but I don't fault those guys for having their emotional reactions at all. Uh, no. you know, if, if you're a football coach, that's how you should think in a sense. Um, of course, all of the coaches need to be aware of the risks for, to the players of, of playing this season. And you know, maybe that's where uh, Jim Harbaugh stepped on some toes a couple weeks ago in yeah. you know, advocating for the season and you know, suggesting that, well, there's no you know, consensus expert opinion that we can't play this season, so we should try to play. You know, you're always balancing those things and you know, balancing your competitive desires with the prudent thing to do. But you can't fault Jim Harbaugh or any other coach or player for having the competitive reaction of wanting to play and having the real human disappointment of realizing that that's not going to happen. Yeah, they ask these athletes, uh, 18 to 22 year old kids who come in here and work, and we've been over the schedules every year, forever and ever, the 12 month. You know, with basically no time off to give to give the, these coaches. I mean, you know, they, they ask of them. You know, give give us everything you have as long as you can give it to us, and we will do the same in return. And I think at the end of the day, you know, those coaches and uh, administrators within athletic departments, including athletic directors, um, in some cases, I think we're asking for the Big Ten to do the same in return, and, and it just never came. You know, give us all you can do. Give us all you got for as long as you can do it. And and I think they were questioning if that, in fact, you know, if they got everything in return the way that they ask of the athletes. So, you know, tough spot, but um, yeah, I guess we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it shakes out there. I'm sure there won't be a shortage of things to discuss on all of this <laughs> as it goes forward because yeah. it's just a mountain of, you know, who knows at this point. And, you know, for some coaches in some situations, if you're starting out, I mean, you know, if you're starting out brand new at a job, you know, maybe this gives you, obviously, Mel Tucker, right, at Michigan State. I mean, you know, he was looking at a situation where he was going to have to go into a fall camp having, like, spent two days on the field with his players in person ever. So he gets time, I suppose. But if, if you're a lot of these schools who were trying to get, I mean, Ryan Day, obviously, right? I mean, there's no way Justin Fields is having a spring season, right? And, like, half their roster, Wyatt Davis, Wyatt Davis was an NFL guard last year. I don't know what the hell he's doing still in school anyway, but like there's no way that's going to continue. And so, you know, it's tough for a lot of folks at a lot of places. Nobody's life hasn't been impacted by this. Uh, that's been the case from day one. And um, it's just uh, tough to see and tough to see for all the fans who, um, you know, spend their, uh, I mean, my God, I mean, how many times have I walked through tailgating lots at uh, the golf and outing or through Pioneer and everything through Fall State, you know, Saturdays and people go out there and that's just part of their life. I mean, they spend seven or eight Saturdays every year with friends and family and it's just something they do. Some people don't even go in the stadium. They just go there to, you know, have like a, have a gathering. And now that is, you know, that's all gone. And for folks, like I said, right at the start, you know, well, I think we all knew this was happening, but writing it down officially uh, was more jarring, I think, for me than I probably thought it would be uh it was uh, mm-hmm. it's a lot to uh, lot to take in yeah well folks sorry we can't uh we can't give you much hope today uh but i don't think yeah. uh, i don't think anybody's in that that frame of mind right now we're all just uh all just kind of processing uh, the bombshell that that dropped on tuesday so 
we'll figure it out. Uh, Nick, we'll we'll find something to talk about oh, on this yeah, podcast. We'll I don't know yeah. what it's going to be. It's not going <laughs> to be. It's not going to be college football in this fall. Maybe we'll talk about. Uh, boxing or cricket or (laughs) we'll find something uh but everybody we appreciate you listening to the show and uh continuing to to read our work at the athletic thanks to all of our great subscribers who have helped us get through this time and uh we will get through it we'll get through it together it's going to look a lot different uh but whatever happens we'll be here to talk about it on the rpm podcast (laughs) 